Dagger podcast a podcast about writing fan fiction i'm lauren kings of everything on tumblr and ao3 and i'm nick lewin has af on tumblr and yes is a world on ao3 this is episode 40 and we're going to be talking about foreshadowing it's been so long since we've recorded i know it both has been so long since we've recorded and it feels like it's been a long time since we have talked about like a literary device. Yes. So I'm excited that we I don't even I'd have to look at what like our past yeah. um episodes were. Yeah. Um yes, I'm excited about this too. I feel like it came it's very timely. Yes. Um because I need this episode, but this yeah. was the episode that was your idea. You were like, I thought we had an ask and you were like, no, no, I just want to talk about it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um so why did you want to talk about foreshadowing? I wanted to talk about it because um, I, partially because I have, um, in the back of my head, I have this gothic fic that I've wanted to write for years. Um, yes. I'm not going to get to it this year, but I would like to write it at some point. And I feel like with sort of those sorts of fics, um, and mystery fics, but other, like really all stories, um, foreshadowing is important. Um, I also realized that it had been a while since we talked about literary devices. Yeah, I just looked. The last episode was theme in May of last year. Well, there we go. <laughs> so, yes, it has been a while. Yeah. Because um, we did all, like, we did a bunch of episodes in between about, like, fandom and our own fix and, and yeah. reading and stuff like that. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it's been it's been a long time. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really know what else to talk about. And then I realized we could talk about foreshadowing and symbolism, which I think I may be clumped together, but those will have to be two separate things. Although I feel like they could be very closely related. Yeah. Um, but then I just got prepared for foreshadowing this episode. So that's what we're focusing on. Yeah. I'm excited about it because I want to write a, uh, fic that's kind of like film noir, um, except I don't know if, I mean, obviously I don't think everybody knows what that is. Um, in film noir, usually, uh, there isn't like a happy, uh, romance ending. Correct. Like people, people, people die. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I know, right. People just yeah. die. Um, the one, uh, and it's, and it's more of a, of a, of a film thing that was very popular in the fifties, um, in America and, um, like detective noir, um, it's kind of, I guess, like a sub set of mm -hmm. that, uh, genre. Um, and that's kind of what I want to write. I had a, um, an idea come to me when I was listening to music the best kind of inspiration i think um and i was listening to dusty springfield you don't have to say you love me and i just like pictured harry in like a sleazy kind of nightclub singing the song 
and Louis being in the audience and he's like, you know, like a smoker and like maybe he's like a down on his luck detective or something. And I was like, okay, I have to make this happen. But detective noir uh, and like film noir, there's like, it's like mystery type, which isn't really like my thing. Right. And so um, this is going to take like effort. Plotting is on hard. my part, like yeah. mental effort. Yes. Um, and I'm not real sure how it's going to go. Hopefully it'll go well. Yes. Um, yeah. And as I said, foreshadowing is like um, pretty heavily used normally in like mystery type things. Um, although, yes, they can they should and can be used in every type of writing. Um, so anyway, foreshadowing. <laughs> what is it? Some of you may be asking. <laughs> it's like little hints. You're dropping hints. Wikipedia says. No, actually, um, it's a, although I did look at Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is a literary device used to um, give like a hint of what's to come in the future. Yeah. So I feel like maybe we like sort of touched on this in our plot episode. Okay. Because I know we we mentioned red herrings. Okay. And I think that was the episode, but it was more like a this is where you and you would include this and you you know we didn't really like get into it. Yeah. Um. So foreshadowing um is really used for like creating suspense or a feeling of like offness um, of unease. Um, or to just sort of help the reader, even if they're not aware of it, sort of like give a sense of what is going to happen in the future. Right. Um, it's and, like a payoff type thing too. Like the yes. reader, the reader like notices these things and you draw their attention to them. And then in the end, they come back around. And the reader gets to feel like smart, but yes. also surprised. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think that's it for what I was yes. thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, sometimes in the end, if there's, if you haven't really built up to um, something happening um, in an indirect or direct way, which I will get into in a second, um, then the, then the, there really isn't a path. It can feel like the ending can feel like surprising in a bad way or like disjointed or um, sort of like out of left field. Yeah. And so if you've sort of laid breadcrumbs through, then the reader is like, yes, I can see what's going to happen. I'm along for this ride. I got it. Yes, I can predict. I'm feeling smart. I know it's going to happen um, whether or not it, it does. But yeah. I just realized that I don't know that we talked about red herrings, but we talked about Chekhov's gun. Okay. And That's that a, was during both the plot of those are on the list. That was, yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, Chekhov was a playwright. Yes. I think that my kids read one, a book by him or a play by him this year, but I can't remember what it was. So... Nick prepared uh, okay. for this episode. Yes. 
<laughs> so I, know I, I, said I sort of prepared, but yeah. not in the same way. <laughs> um, yeah, so there is direct foreshadowing and indirect foreshadowing. I'll get into those in a second. But like, um, I guess I sort of already said this, that foreshadowing is a tool to prepare your reader emotionally for big reveals. Yeah. Abrupt revolution or twist ending is not adequately set up. Your reader may come away feeling annoyed, disappointed, confused, rather than surprised and satisfied. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So there's like two sort of like, um, you can either like do it directly or you can do it indirectly. So if you do it directly, that's like, um, as it says, is like very clearly like, <laughs> this is what's going to happen. So you can either like, sometimes even like a title will give away what happens Okay. in the fix. So like, it can be something at like, as basic starting from the beginning, like I was reading like, um, uh, well, you said you read um, Agatha Christie's and then there was one. And then there were none by Agatha Christie and like the title right there uh, is not the original title, but um, we will not talk about the original title. Um, (laughs) And uh, it's based on a poem and that's the last line of the poem and um like in the book the poem is framed and in each bedroom of the house where all the people go to stay so it's like there's like it's it's i would almost call it heavy-handed but it's not heavy-handed it's just like mm-hmm. what what you said it's direct yeah. foreshadowing yeah um and it it basically tells how each person is going to die yeah in the poem um it was really good i enjoyed it a lot yeah (laughs) (laughs) like i really liked it um yeah but they said even like um the fall of the house of usher is like a title that like gives away like what happens in the end you know so that's something that um that's like a way you can um say what is going to happen um and then it could also be like characters talking or like in olden times like a prophecy they would use those yeah. in, like a lot in um myths sagas those types of old-timey old-timey <laughs> stories exactly there were prophecies and so forth um um yeah it says like in macbeth um shakespeare uses it when like the witches predict that macbeth will become king um so, yeah, it could definitely be very clear, like, this is going to happen. Um, and then indirect, um, the story sort of hints at it by using subtle clues. Um, and, like, when you do it that way, like, the readers might not realize that it's, like, is foreshadowing until they come to the, like, the thing later. Yeah. Um, and for those sort of things, it can be like recurring symbols, motifs, other elements. Like, um, I think that's why in my head I sort of lumped foreshadowing and symbolism together because I think like both of those are sort of indirect ways of giving mood and things like that. Um, I thought of something where it says in the beginning uh, what's going to happen, uh, Tangled. In the very beginning, 
<laughs> you haven't seen it? No. That's great. You should watch it. Oh my gosh. Uh, in the very beginning, he says, this is the story of how I died. Yep. And then um, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. The whole time, like expecting yeah. him to die. And then he does. Uh, I just saw Hamilton live yesterday. And like Burr is like, I'm the one who kills him. <laughs> like, he just says it straight out in the beginning. Yep, exactly. So those would be like very direct dialogue ways of saying like what is going this down. is what's gonna happen yep um yeah but you could have like people could be like driving through a storm and like the passenger could be like gee whiz i sure hope nothing bad happens on this road trip <laughs> like, <laughs> do, 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 and they like go to turn on the music and you know whatever and that's that um but like it's sort of planted in your head like oh something, something bad something bad could happen could be happening yes. Otherwise, yeah. like, if you don't mention it, then, I mean, something bad could still happen. Because I guess the storm itself would be foreshadowing. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then there's, like, two different other things. Examples. Famous examples. Well-known examples that are named. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what we were talking about with Chekhov's gun and the red herring. Um, so Chekhov's gun, yes, is based on, um, it comes from Anton Chekhov. Um, and he said, if you say in the first chapter that there's a rifle hanging on the wall, then it must go off at some point. So basically like. Because um, he was a playwright, he says that if there's a gun in a, on the mantle in act one, then it has to be fired in act three. Yes. So basically the point being like, if you are directing, if you as the writer are directing your audience to something meaningful, then that should have a payoff. Right. Later on. Yeah. Like if you're um, gonna, if you're gonna go to the trouble to mention um, something. Yes. Specific, like a gun or, you know, something. It doesn't have to be a gun. Yeah. Then, um, it needs to be, there has to be some sort of payoff. Um, like here, for my girl direction that just came out. Louis gets a vibrator sent to Harry's house. Like, obviously I mentioned it in the beginning. It's a package that has arrived and they are opening it. Like, it is very clear that that's it. So like the payoff is then they use it. Like, if they went through all that and then... There was like no smut. Like it would be, it would feel like there was not, it would, it would not, um, I mean, it could happen off screen, but you know what I mean? Like if then the story made a left turn into. They went like, to lunch. They went to lunch. Yeah. Like it would be very like, disorienting as to like, okay, then why did we talk about that? Yeah. Um, Basically, so. if you're going to, if you're going to make something part of the story, and mention it more than once, especially if you mention it more than once, then it should be part of the resolution of the story. Right. Yeah. With the secondhand and wines, I, uh, and I think this is very common, is to go back and plant, mm -hmm. like once you've written the fic, then you go back and you put the foreshadowing in and like right. the edit editing process. Um, the uh the lock on the locker in the locker room when Louis goes to uh to travel into the past um is mentioned 
and uh, but it doesn't come back around again until the very end, and you find out that it's his lock and it's his locker yeah. um, from the past. Oh. <laughs> um, I feel like things like that, like I think that I can't obviously say because I'm not, it's, I wrote it, but I feel like that's probably a really satisfying thing to read yeah. where you're like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that from before. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and you kind of maybe want to go back and read that part again, or like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. to remind yourself. Um, uh, I, I, I know we're like, we, we're like not prepared to talk about fix, but we, like I said, I read that book and like thinking about other um books and movies and TV shows and stuff like that. Um, uh, I also listen to podcasts in preparation for our podcast. And so like, I don't want to bring up the examples that they used, but they were good ones. You can. That's a lot. Um, they, uh, they brought up the sixth sense. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, how like the big twist is that Bruce Willis is dead. I mean, spoilers, but I think everybody knows, um, <laughs> but that, that if you go back, you can see that like, and like watch the movie again, you can see that like, it's obvious that yeah. he's dead. Yeah. Um, and then the other example they talked about is the first Harry Potter um, mm -hmm. book. Uh, they were, really make it seem like Snape is the bad guy. Yeah. Um and uh he just happens to be there mm -hmm. with <laughs> with yeah. the bad guy like I yeah. say like parallel. Yeah. Um and so I think that's uh important for um for foreshadowing is that you kind of want you want to foreshadow so you want to make the person that's reading like pick up on these clues mm -hmm. not necessarily clues because that makes it seem like it's like a detective thing but mm -hmm. like just information they want to you want them to see this information but if you are doing something where um where it's like a mystery or something like that then you also want to have like a at the same time as when you want to do like a red herring yeah. Yeah. We will get to you in a second, but I still have more to say about Chekhov's gun. I think that it's, um, and I think that's one of the reasons why like five times fix are really satisfying for me because it sort of sets up that motif and that continual, like, oh, the same thing is happening. Right. I like that. End. And then at the end, it's like a, a twist on it. Um, but you're sort of, you're prepared for that because it's a, I don't know how to say it, but yeah, it's like, uh, well, it tells you in the summary, you know, yeah. like, yeah, exactly. Five times, five times they kiss for practice. And one time it's yeah. for real. I just exactly. Um, but yeah, but like, even with Chekhov's gun, like in a like gun example, like it could be that, um, you know, you can fill the gun with blanks. Like you can still do things. It could be a prop gun that goes back. That's surprising. Yeah, exactly. So you, it does, it's not like that has to give away everything, um, but just sort of like leading the reader along. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. So then for red herring, 
um, it is like foreshadowing that is meant to distract the reader or lead the reader astray. Right. Yeah. Um, Throw you off the trail. Exactly. Um, and and not necessarily just the reader too. Like maybe it's also meant to to distract uh, your main character. Yes. Exactly. So like if you think it's somebody, if you think the bad guy is like X person the whole time and then it turns out they're actually a good guy helping out, you know, but you have like you as the reader have like followed along the trail of breadcrumbs thinking that, you know, like it makes, again, it all has to like make sense. Um, But yeah, it just sort of helps add more um, mystery. Or it's, like, not such a quick, um, like, red herrings help so that you're not, like, here is what's going to happen, and yeah. then it happens. <laughs> like, like for it to be a little bit more like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Who else, who could it be instead, or, you know? Right. Yeah. I don't know, is there anything else about red herrings or Chekhov's gun? Um, I feel like maybe people hear Chekhov's gun and they think, like, weapon, like, it has to yeah. be a weapon. Yeah. Um. And it doesn't? No. Yeah, so it doesn't need to be a weapon. Um, so I was reading this fic once, and there was something that was sort of mentioned multiple times in the beginning. Um, and because it was mo- mentioned multiple times, I thought that it was going to come back again in the end, like when Harry and Louis got together. Right. I thought that this this element was going to be was going to like show up again right. um, and it was going to be part of like the resolution, the resolution, the confessing, the like, you know, the love confession. showing. Yeah, the showing of the love. Um, and then it just like never came back again. Um, and so when I was baiting, I mentioned like, oh, this is a thread that I thought was going to like show back up again. Um, and then it didn't. Um so I was sort of like left hanging at the end, like, oh, but what about this thing that like I, as a reader, like thought was important? You're and already invested in this thing. Yeah, I was invested in like this element. And so I wanted it to like show back up again. So like, I don't know, somebody runs like a smoothie stand and you want like at the end, you want them to like make the person's favorite smoothie. <laughs> it's like, right. it's again, you know, like, it's, yeah, it does not have to be a weapon. It can be any sort of um, element that that that's present in the beginning or like throughout the story. And you sort of want it to be there at the end as well. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to think like of other um, like fix that I've written. You're really good. I feel like I don't want to brag about your baiting because then people (laughs) want you to beta for them. And then I'm like, hands off. (laughs) Nick is my friend, my beta. (laughs) But, um, but like, you're really good at picking those things out and, like, bringing them to my attention. Like, hey, you made a big deal out of this thing. Um, you should bring it back. Or, um, you know, sometimes I do get carried away uh, describing, like, what people are wearing. Um, I'm getting better about that. I feel. <laughs> um, and it's, like, it's better only at. if it 
huh it's not something you have to get better at this is part well, of no your- like i do know i just more i'm i pay more attention to it anything that you uh point out to me i then later it just becomes something that i pay attention to as i'm writing um and uh and so i try to like only like only if it's important yeah you know what i mean yeah like uh i'm only i'm i uh in the my new girl AU that's posting now, um, Louie wears gray sweatpants all the time. Yes. And so I had to um, uh, bring that into like a little conversation where like Harry draws attention to it. Yeah. Like, why the hell is that all you wear? Why do you only wear gray yeah. sweatpants? <laughs> and Louie's like, this one time. And so there's like, you know, yeah. a little little story about it. Um, but it also and, makes it like um like shocking and surprising then when um spoiler alert, like they go out somewhere and Louis is dressed up. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, this is like this means something different now. Like there's you know. Yeah. 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 Um Yeah. But so it could be anything. It could yeah. be like the way that they dress normally or um you know uh maybe um if you like if you bring up that somebody eats the same thing every day and you're like writing that they get up and they have breakfast and they've had avocado avocado toast like every day you know like then you're bringing attention to something so there has to be some sort of payoff for that um you know Maybe they become allergic to avocados. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. Were we were we on red herrings? We were. I, we <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about. I feel like we were flipping back and forth between Chekhov's gun and red herring. The yeah. two named types of foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. And I, I um Although I think maybe Wikipedia says that they're not foreshadowing, that they're like separate things. And I'm like, I mean, I feel like they can be wrapped up in the same concept. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the red herring is, is a distraction tool. Um, You know, you want the reader to be like, maybe, maybe they do figure out what happens before the end and that's okay because you've led them there. Yeah. But you've also led them with like distractions. So not everybody is going to figure out what happens in the end. Yeah. Um, but you can't just be like, this happens, then this happens. You have to like kind of, I'm, I keep slipping back into thinking about a mystery. Yeah. And I feel like that's the. Not well, I feel the like way. red herrings specifically are like used in mysteries. Yeah. Like they're not often used in things that are not mysteries. Um, because you want to keep your reader guessing. And so in order to keep them, because that's the way they're like invested in the mystery because they're trying to solve it. So you want to keep them invested by giving them ideas of what could be the solution, even if they're wrong along the way. It could be a mystery. Who wrote that graffiti? It doesn't have to be like a murder mystery. No, okay, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it could be like any question of like, um, who is writing me these love notes? Who is leaving them in my locker? Maybe Secret wanna... admirer. Yeah. Some red herrings along the way. But yeah, I think red herrings are like mystery things and not like... Um... Yeah. So I need to get that out of my head and think about foreshadowing in a different way. 
But basically, yeah, all we're saying is that you don't if you're drawing attention to something, it should be brought about later on in the fic. Like there yeah. should be some sort of resolution for it. Um, okay, so there's a few different ways you can do it. You can like actually do the do the foreshadowing. Um, dialogue, as I mentioned, with the like, oh, Wait, no, did I you go? Did you because you said direct? Did you talk about the indirect? Yes, I think I did. It like hints at it. Um, okay. And like maybe they don't realize what the foreshadowing is until it gets to the end. So like the locker. Okay is a good example of like indirect like the reader sees the locker they know there's a lock locker and then the story goes on and then like at the end you find out like oh that locker was this locker like you can yeah. then piece the pieces together um so but like looking back like you can know okay he's gonna come back to this locker like so would you say that indirect is probably more common yes Okay. And that's also the like symbols, the motifs, the, um, you know, oh no, I think a big storm's coming. And then, or like, no, that would be dialogue. But like, um, like somebody it looking out of their house and, and like a big storm is like brewing on the hills, you know, you like yeah. know, that, like, yes, a actual physical storm is coming, but also there might just be like disruption in your like, don't want shelter. Yes. Exactly. Like, imagine if that hurricane came and nothing happened. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they had to rebuild their friendship as they rebuilt the house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that's more, that's, like, the indirect. Yeah, like, if you have, like, a story where it's, like, where you, would you say that, like, if you wrote something and it, like, rained all the time? Mm-hmm. Would that be like a like a theme? Yes. Okay. And then would it also be like foreshadowing? Like, would you want something to happen with the rain in the end? Yes, it absolutely could be. Then there could be like a big flood, and that would be foreshadowed by all the rain. Or um, the clouds could break, and it could be sunny. Exactly. And then something good can happen after. Yeah. Or something bad could happen during the storm. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking, um, and you might want to edit this out, but I don't know. But I was thinking about my, uh, my noir fic idea. And I was thinking about having most of the scenes take place at night. Mm -hmm. um, and I was thinking, um, I've gone back and forth about when to set it. Yeah. Um, because uh, it's not my instinct to set things in the past. Yeah. I'm more of a like present times writer. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that with the um, the type of story that I want to write, I think mm -hmm. it'll be um, easier and better if it's set in the past because there will like the technology yeah. changes things. Um, and so I was thinking of setting it during Prohibition mm -hmm. um, in like a speakeasy type place. So like underground gambling, illegal drinking um, and stuff like that. Uh, also, nobody has air conditioning 
Yep. So I've already researched the history of air conditioning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, so like it could be like there will be like heat and sweat and darkness. So like that's like theme, but also foreshadowing. Yep. Would you say? Yep. Okay. Yeah. It's like especially in the beginning, like if it's hot and like oppressive and like uncomfortable, then like your characters are feeling that way, but you as the reader can like empathize and feel that way and know that like, okay, things are like off because I'm not comfortable. Right. Yeah. Also, if it's like that back, back in, back in the day, um, then uh, it's like, you know, nobody like adults don't wear shorts. Yeah. You know, like it would like, even in the, like the heat, they would still be wearing like trousers and, you know, buttoned shirts and things like that yeah on um, the other thing is harry's clothing um where where the like timeline where i'm like oh do i want to set it here do i want to set in the 50s or do i want to set it in the 70s because i feel like his clothing mm-hmm. is more 70s style but then there's air conditioning if you go to the 40s <laughs> There you go. So, yeah, yeah, there's a lot I can. But, like, taking it back into, like, the past, you know, I don't have to deal with, like, DNA evidence. And um, people can just wipe away fingerprints and things like that. Um, Or even I haven't looked into the history of fingerprinting. But I feel like if I said it during Prohibition, that's not going to be an issue. Yeah. You know, like, the 20s. Um, And then... uh, I thought of something else for foreshadowing that's not related to my fic. Um, did you watch the movie The Good Guys? Probably not. It's Russell Crowe and what's his face from the notebook that I can never remember his name. Ryan. Yeah, why can't I remember his name? I have like a block. Yeah. I really struggle with his name. Yeah. Um, but uh okay. So I watched it the other night. I was not expecting to enjoy it. <laughs> I was expecting to like push play and uh, maybe stop a few minutes in. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to crochet and kind of zone out yeah. with the TV on in the background, but I ended up really liking it, which was, re- I, I, it was surprising to me. Yeah. So um, do you care if I spoil it for you? No, I don't care. Okay. All right. First of all, it was Russell Crowe, but on the image, um, like the you know the little still that they yeah. give you I thought it was John Goodman oh interesting <laughs> <laughs> sorry Russell Crowe and John Goodman um but uh so okay Ryan Gosling plays a down on his luck private detective yep Russell Crowe plays like a enforcer type uh <laughs> where he's just like a paid bully basically yep. <laughs> to go around and scare the crap out of people or break people's noses and stuff and and be like you know um and it's set in the 70s when the gas every you remember everything with like that went down with like detroit and like the gas was like crazy and yep. they had lines and you were only allowed to get a certain amount and they like were they like asked everyone to drive at the at 55 miles an hour because it was like the most fuel efficient speed and all this other stuff yeah so 
um, that's kind of in the background of everything. Like in one scene, Ryan Gosling is um, in a line getting gas for his car. Um, But it's like the setting, like around him, you can see that like there's a sign that says like only 10 gallons and, you know, um, and, uh, and there's like news playing in the background and they're, and it's talking about what's going on in Detroit and stuff like that. And it, uh, in the end, that turns out like, that's the plot. That's the thing that's going on. Right. Um, it's like a murder. It's first, it's a, they're looking for a girl Mm -hmm. who's missing. Then there's like murders. So you're like, okay, what the hell is going on? Porn, missing people. There's a fire. There's all this stuff. And then it turns out that it's all trying to cover up um, this much bigger crime, okay. which is like uh, uh, somebody in the Justice Department is trying to basically not... Like let let the automakers get away with whatever right. um, polluting. Oh, and they they mentioned the smog. It's set in L.A. and they mentioned the smog and everything all the time. So like that's all. Like at first I was like, okay, this is really good. Like setting wise, mm-hmm. like this is because I that's the seventies. I love yeah. the seventies. Um, and uh, I was like, oh, they did a really good job with like it. Kind of reminded me of like Dazed and Confused, where yeah. like the um the clothes are all really great the wardrobe is great the cars are great the setting is great all the stuff is great but then later on you realize that that's all a part of the story okay too yeah um it's not just the setting it all comes together and you're like oh okay also yeah. they meet the two they they're they're uh they meet when uh Russell Crowe goes to warn him to to stay away from somebody that he was detecting and uh in order to warn him he breaks his arm (laughs) (laughs) um so it was a little funny but it was like in a funny way broke his arm in a funny way yeah of course (laughs) um but that was really good yeah and so like i guess that's a way that you can uh foreshadow is not just through like your characters but through like the setting and what's going on in the background of the story. Exactly. Um, so again, with my girl direction that I just wrote, like there's a storm going on when Louis shows up at Harry's house and like, yes, this is great because it allows me to like have her take off her sweatshirt um, and like show some other things. So like, yes, it works as like a, um, like a plotting thing, like to get me to where I needed to be. But then also I had like one crack of lightning that shows up like as she gets in. And then there's like one orgasm later in the fic. <laughs> like, so we can also be like subtle, like boom. And then later there's a boom. <laughs> like, like an echoing. Yes, exactly. Um, or like um, here, the example I have here, like in Great Expectations, Charles Dickens uses descriptions of weather to forecast the dark turn Pip's story will take. So, you know, yeah, you can absolutely use setting as like a um, way of doing it. Right. 
So, like, even the, like, the political landscape, if you're setting it in, like, a real... Yep. Yeah. Um, Or uh, even, I guess, if it's, like, in a fantasy world, you can still make that shit up. So, like, you know... Exactly. Or, like, dystopian fix, like... Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's... That right there, if you're set in, like, a post-apocalyptic setting... (laughs) (laughs) then then that that's foreshadowing in itself Mm -hmm. um would be very strange to have a fix set in a post-apocalyptic setting where nothing post-apocalyptic happens right you know what i mean like where they're just like go into their job yes (laughs) or whatever I'm going to reinvent capitalism. (laughs) What? (laughs) Reinvent capitalism. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Go into my job. Post-apocalypse. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So in addition to setting um, and title, which we touched on at the beginning. Yeah, with the direct um, foreshadowing. Yes, exactly. Um, Also, you could do it through dialogue. Um, It could be like a joke or an offhand comment. Um, or even like something like unsaid, it could be like narrator thoughts, you know, of um, like something that might happen in the future. Um, so that's a way you could do it. Um, also, you mentioned um, Harry Potter, mm-hmm. and I thought you were going to use my example that I have here, but you went on a different red herring <laughs> example which is great because it shows like I think, why yeah there are a lot those ones. are kind of set up like mysteries so yeah exactly um but like their appearance attire like you mentioned mannerisms um can foreshadow also so like um like quarrel's turban yeah that's like talked about mentioned brought up like harry's curious about it like it's brought up and then um Spoiler alert, we learn, like, why the turban is there <laughs> later. Lord Voldemort! Um, so, yeah, that could be something that, like, um, if, like, the turban is not mentioned, if Harry is not curious about it, and then at the end it's like, oh, he's wearing a turban and he's going to take it off, that would be, like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> why was that not a piece of information we knew, you know? And uh, this just made me think of an episode of the X-Files where uh, it it takes place, place at, like, I want to say, like, a carnival slash freak show. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the, the characters that you're introduced to has, like, a, like a, a twin that's, mm-hmm. like, a conjoined twin. Okay. Um... And, uh, but it's like a underdeveloped yeah. twin and that twin ends up being like the, the murderer okay. in the end. Yeah. Um, that's all I got. Yeah. I got nothing. The quarrel thing with the turban would also be a Chekhov's gun situation where like, that's something that is like brought up in the beginning and like, yeah, um, it's mentioned a lot. Yeah. And, like, it could just be, like, is mentioned because it's mentioned, but it also, like, then has a payoff later. So, that's good. They mentioned it so much that I, if it didn't end up being something important, yeah. then uh, I, I I think most people would have been surprised. Yeah. 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 Um, 
And then another way you can do it, um, foreshadowing is through like metaphors and similes, um, which again would be like indirect. Um, so Dickens uses the simile to foreshadow the portrayal of David by his mother, comparing her to a figure in a fairy tale. Um, which is probably a bad example because I've never read David Copperfield, so I don't know. But I don't think I've read that either. You could you could say like you know I don't know how to use I can't pull up a metaphor simile off the top of my head, but um, yeah, those would just be like indirect um, like mentionings of things that could then happen later, like in a parallel type way. I feel like something that we should emphasize maybe is that you can add this stuff back in. Yes, totally. And that that's probably, I'm guessing that that's what most people do. Um, well, not necessarily everything, Yeah. but if there's, if there's like major things, I mean, some people plan that shit out ahead of time. I don't know how they do that. <laughs> yeah. So some people, sometimes you can absolutely plan it out ahead of time. Like that's totally a thing that can happen. Um, you can also go back in and add it. And also sometimes that shit is just accidental. That just happens as you're like writing. Like. Um, it's like the back of your brain is working and you don't even realize it. Exactly. Like, my storm at the beginning. Like, I literally just needed Louie to be wet and take off her sweatshirt so she could put on Harry's sweatshirt. So I was like, okay, it will be raining. And this is the thing that will happen. And then the lightning was not something I meant as, like, a planned thing. But it works great. <laughs> <laughs> like, rereading it, I was like, aha. <laughs> what I did accidentally. Exactly. And I think some of it's just, like... Um, if you like a writing with purpose, then a lot of the Chekhov's gun stuff, like stuff like that sort of just going to kind of naturally happen because you're like, like you may not be thinking about it in terms of like, I'm putting this in now and later there will be a payoff with it. But like, you, know, you might not be using that language when you're thinking and you're writing, but right. what you're doing when you're like just naturally writing a story. Because that is how um, we write stories. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a good way to say it is maybe if you're like a newer writer, this is stuff you should be like thinking about. But if you're a experienced writer who has been writing stories for a long time, I bet that you are doing it without maybe realizing that you're doing it. Right. You're just tying your story together. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Foreshadowing is very effective. <laughs> and pulling your reader along and making them feeling smart and um, being great. Yes. Right. That's all I have to say about foreshadowing, really. Okay. We will wrap up. This was episode 40. Talking about foreshadowing. I'm Nick. Lewin has AF on Tumblr and Yes is a World on AO3. I'm Lauren, Kings of Everything on Tumblr and AO3. And thank you for listening to the Rose and Dagger podcast. A podcast about writing fan fiction. Mm-hmm.